the second pick, the Philadelphia Eagles select Donovan McNabb, quarterback, Syracuse University. Don't boo. Hello again and welcome to another edition of the Philly Frenetics podcast. I'm Joe. He's John. I think I know what we're going to talk about this week, John, and it's probably not Philly sports. I'm going to assume you watched some football this weekend. A little bit. Uh, more than a, a little, little bit, bit, actually. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I'll be honest with you, after Sunday night, I felt like I needed a cigarette after that game. Whew. I was shaking and like I wasn't even invested, right? Like I know... A number of Bills fans, a surprising number of Bills fans, to be honest, for someone who has lived in this area my entire life. I, I was gut-wrenched for them the entire time. I, I was shaking as I'm trying to like text with some friends and fire off the you know occasional snarky tweet. We're going to talk about the football. Don't worry. Every year, probably the best weekend of the year, football-wise, and it's probably the best divisional playoff weekend we've ever had. So, of course, it's going to warrant conversation. But I had a question for you before we get into Uh the stuff that anyone else wants to hear. I don't know if I'm going to like this. By the time this episode drops, we may know who's going into the Baseball Hall of Fame. So, John, right now, 24 hours or so before they announce it, who you got? I mean, right now, it looks like David Ortiz, maybe, and maybe no one else. That's kind of what I'm thinking. It kind of sad, to be honest with you. It's unfortunate, but it's unfortunate. Uh, but hey, it looks like at the very least, there's a good old time, there's golden era, whatever <laughs> committee the name is. At least that's a big class. Maybe on purpose, that's a big class. You know, <laughs> but got, still missing a guy who should be in it. Yeah, a, a, a couple guys. Uh, but we'll we'll dissect that. I'm sure next week. You know, I think there's a lot of interesting things to talk about, a lot of interesting names. Uh, one of those names was actually at the Green Bay game on Saturday night. Who's that? That'd be Alex Rodriguez. Interesting. Minnesota Timberwolves co-owner <laughs> Alex Rodriguez <laughs> wearing Green say. Bay Packers gear. <laughs> I mean, as if America needed another reason not to like him, right? But we'll talk about that if and when whatever happens, happens. But, John, I have another question for you, one you should be prepared for. What are you drinking? Honestly, I'm still recovering from Sunday night, so Gatorade. I just need to replenish the fluids. (laughs) you got to get those electrolytes back in you. (sighs) Definitely. Now, now, did you have any of it served to you in a a bucket, like, over your head or or just all, you know, the old-fashioned boring way? Out of the bottle. I mean, we've had plenty of old fashions on the podcast, so, you know, why why ruin it? (laughs) So, hey, Joe, what were you drinking on Friday night? That's the question I want to know. (laughs) I had a feeling you wouldn't be able to get through without mentioning this. For the record, I went out after work with some people from work. We went to a bar that just so happens to be right across the street from where John lives. I almost texted him. I thought, no, I don't want to put him in an awkward situation where he has to hang out with me any more than the hour and a half a week we spend doing this, especially around strangers. And who walks in to pick up some takeout food but John and then starts to give me a bunch of guff for not inviting him? I swear I was going to. All right. 
Well, and, for, and for the and for the record, Stella Artois. All right, it's my go-to. I just want to know. I, I was curious. I, you know, <laughs> so, you know, since you didn't spend that much time there, since I didn't spend that much time there, I, you know, went over to say hello because it's the, it's the polite thing to do when you're in someone's neighborhood. You know, go over and say hello. <laughs> so, you know, because I'm a polite guy, Joe, what are you drinking right now? Ah, <laughs> uh, brother. I am currently drinking a, a seltzer that I will not name for lack of sponsorship reasons. And that was, what are you drinking? Brought to you by the NFL Divisional Playoff Round. A truly, wink, drunk weekend. Four games this weekend. Tennessee-Cincinnati. The Bengals seemed like a very popular, chic, upset pick. And as I wrote in our picks column the other day, a lot of disrespect being put on the Titans. I guess it was warranted as the Bengals, in what everyone at the time thought was super exciting, went in on a walk-off field goal, 1916. Did you get to see this game? I know you enjoyed it, right? This was unfortunately the only game I didn't see because I was working and I was very invested in this because I picked the Bengals to win in our, our picks. And honestly, I, I came home. And I, I didn't check it while I was on. Did you work check or, the bar to see if anybody had stopped by and didn't say hello? No, no. I figured, you know, at that point. Figured I might have learned my lesson by then. So. Uh, no, I mean, I figured you wouldn't be rude two nights in a row. <laughs> oh, 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 don't tempt me. <laughs> Anyways. So, you know, I, I go home and I say, oh, Cincinnati won. I'm a genius. And I, I got this, I got this pegged. Like I, I maybe I should start betting and then <laughs> well, we we'll get to, to the, the end then. Yeah. <laughs> and then it turns out, you know, maybe, maybe I, you're I not shouldn't. the genius you thought you were. Yeah. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. I tweeted uh, Saturday afternoon. I shared the link to the story and I said, I've never been less confident in a set of picks in my entire life. See, I kind of hedged there. I made my picks. And then after the fact said, man, I don't know about this. So either way, I look good. <laughs> so and... the only thing you were confident <laughs> in was your lack of confidence. Right. And, and 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 I mentioned, you know, respecting the Titans. They were the number one seed for a reason. Right. And they had an extra week off compared to Cincinnati. But I, it, it, the thing that strikes me is I think Joe Burrow got sacked nine times. Right. It was part of the course for the year. I believe he had over 50 sacks in the regular season. I think I saw a crazy stat that he, he was sacked like 60 sometimes and threw it away 15 times. Like those numbers have got to get a lot closer together, right? <laughs> but he got sacked something like nine times and they still won the game. And I, and I just couldn't help but watch that. And I, I listened to part of it in the car and I couldn't help but just think, huh, young quarterback in his second year out of the draft has just led his team to a conference title game. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Did you know who Joe Burrow was before his last year at LSU? I sure didn't. Not a clue. And yet now this guy is on the cusp of a Super Bowl. Like, what a three years for that guy. Well, apparently he spent time with Carson Palmer's brother, who's a renowned Oh, uh, was he on The Bachelor? Uh... <laughs> Oh boy, yeah. I didn't even think about that. No, I think <laughs> that it's is a, such an old deep cut that yeah. it's too deep for even you. I mean, it it took me a second, but yeah, he's 
so he he spent time with him, and I, I think I don't know if it was between his junior year and his senior year, but uh, you know apparently that is one big reason why he's evolved into who he is right now. And when Eagles fans talk about getting the elite quarterback and you know getting the franchise guy, the guy who the guy who should not be named that we devoted a lot of the last couple of weeks to. You know, we talk about getting that guy. That guy is Joe Burrow, where you get the, you know, almost can't miss type of guy. You know, and then there's a huge gap between that guy and everybody else. And, you know, you could even see, like, even in that matchup, I didn't watch the game, but even that in that matchup, like Ryan Tannehill is a really good guy who could be everybody else. Game like, manager. He, you're thinking of the manager, phrase game manager, yeah. <laughs> right. Game manager, Derek Carr, same kind of... Same kind of guy, good quarterback, not elite. That's not a knock on them. It just isn't who they are. And Joe Burrow comes along and, you know, who knows? The Bengals have bungled things in the past. So who knows what will happen? But, I mean, I think it's safe to say this is the best Cincinnati Bengals team of our lifetimes. Well, they did make the Super Bowl when I was alive. I don't know if you were alive yet. But you just look like we're talking about Joe Burrow and then – on the other side of the bracket, obviously we have Mahomes and Allen. Justin Herbert didn't even make the playoffs. Like that's four, you know, next decade type quarterbacks in the AFC. And, you know, the two guys in the NFC that are that were the top two seeds are combined eighty some years old. So <laughs> quite the dichotomy. But, you know, good on the Bengals and, and good on you for picking them. I thought, you know what? They're getting a lot of love from people that that are just getting swept up in in the Joe Burrow Jamar Chase mania. But you know those guys have a, a long-standing relationship on the field, and it showed up in a big spot. And hey, stranger things have happened. Although I don't know that there are many stranger things than the Bengals making the Super Bowl, but it's happened before. It could happen again. What has also happened before? <laughs> Aaron Rodgers losing to the 49ers in the playoffs. This, I, I, from a fan standpoint, I think Buffalo's loss to Kansas City is probably the worst loss of the weekend. From a pure football standpoint, Green Bay's loss is inexplicable. The Packers score on the first drive, don't even have all that much trouble doing it. And that was it. They scored three more points the rest of the way. I don't know how they weren't up 17 nothing in halftime, and that's when I made a note that they're in trouble. The 49ers weren't doing anything. Jimmy Garoppolo had 0 for 2 for 0 yards as his stat line on the screen in the second quarter of an NFL playoff game. And yet, I thought the Packers are in trouble. I I, I don't know why. I don't I don't I don't I can't explain it. Their bad special teams came back to bite them at literally the worst possible time. The 49ers, a chic pick to beat the Cowboys the previous week, and they did it with a big assist from the Cowboys. A couple of assists, 15 penalties, and then a a slide. <laughs> so 16 big assists from Dallas. And Green Bay, Green Bay played like a team that, like, I don't know, like if you're playing with your little brother and you're shooting hoops in the backyard, and like you know that you're gonna be able to score six, seven, eight, nine points in a row to beat him. So you let him get that seven to two lead before you crush his dreams, except they just never did it. 
Like it got dark. Mom called everyone in for dinner. I, I don't know. That that's probably one of the weirdest analogies I've come up with, but I think it fits. It fits, but here's here's why it fits. Because for the last because Aaron Rodgers is America's snarky older brother. <laughs> I mean, for like the last six or seven years, the Green Bay Packers have been built on because of the way their the salaries are are orchestrated there with Aaron Rodgers taking such a big percentage of, the, of their cap to where they're built on we're going to be okay at drafting and then when it comes time for the big game Aaron Rodgers is going to barrel us out and year after year he hasn't done that you know some of it's because of the the team around him but you know you don't get to the number one seed if it's just one guy and now his legacy you know we'll talk about the Bills you know history relevant the you know the relevance to history in their loss but when you look at Aaron Rodgers legacy it's crept up in the last couple of years to where you know he might be a guy he's like the tubby smith of quarterbacks he won his title way too early and all of a sudden now his legacy is going to be here's a guy that you know he did it once and then he never did it again and he's had enough chances to do that i mean number 1 seed lambo field in the winter, it's probably the best possible setting for football you could ask for. You know, little little snow, you got the, the puffs of, you know, breath coming out because it's so cold. Like, it, cinematic dream. But, you know, the nightmare of Aaron Rodgers not getting it done in the playoffs, you know, comes to the doorstep yet again. I'm looking at my bingo card, and nowhere on here does Tubby Smith appear on the list of names I thought I would hear on the show ever let alone tonight you're welcome <laughs> i thought i had made made a deep cut um see i'm like the last person to talk about someone's legacy like that like football is as team a sport as there is right right so one guy is it really on him i i think the thing you started with the fact that they have built their team around well aaron will win us some games and, and it's like, okay, but when you get to the playoffs, I don't care if you're playing the sixth seed or the seventh seed. You're playing a team that had to win some games and has got to be halfway decent to make it to the playoffs, right? This year's seven seeds notwithstanding. But I, I, I really think that it's just one of those situations where they have one of the all-time few best to ever do it and just haven't been able to build the rest of the team. They've always had some sort of glaring weakness. And if that weakness is in talent on the offensive side of the ball, you hear Aaron Rodgers bellyache about it. John, real quick, name a Green Bay Packers wide receiver who's on the team right now. Devontae Adams. Name a second one. Replay Devontae Adams. Exactly. I believe Equinemius St. Brown is a guy on that team. Alan Lazard. Is a guy on that team. Those guys are not household names by any stretch other than guys that play alongside Devontae Adams with Aaron Rodgers, who's on prime time all the time. Those are not world-beating receivers. All right. Now, granted, they'd be, you know, number one and number two guys on the Eagles the last few years. But the reality is he has never had one of those just like elite all-time offenses. They right, haven't drafted even had- well. He hasn't even had the Tom Brady thing where, you know, early on in his career when he was throwing passes to guys like Deion Branch, 
he had like four guys like Deion Branch that were all very good. Yeah, Deion Branch was level. a pretty good receiver. Yeah, no, no, but uh, not a knock against him. But a you know, Super Bowl he, MVP. He, you know, he later <laughs> wound up throwing to Randy Moss. But you know, before that, yeah. But how many Super were, Bowls did he win with Randy Moss? That'd be zero. A big old honking zero. But you know, it's it very much in the Andy Reid mold of like we don't need the superstar wide receiver. Although right now he has lots of superstar wide receivers. <laughs> His less, second job, he's learned. like, you know what? Let's try something different. <laughs> let's let's have everyone be all world. Um, <laughs> but just to bring it back to the to the Packers, like he hasn't even had that where he's had like four solid guys that he could go to, and some of that, you know. Obviously, that part's not his fault, but I feel like in the second half of his career, a lot of Aaron Rodgers' issues might be somewhat self-induced to where I think he's he's been very much around the cults of Aaron Rodgers a little bit too long. And maybe that just means he needs a change of scenery. I don't know. I think the same thing happened to Brett Favre, where Brett Favre thought he was a little bit too much above himself in many different ways. And, you know, the second act of Brett Favre wasn't so good. You know, we'll see this off season as you are probably going to mention soon. You know, I was Aaron just going to say, he doesn't market. have to worry about returning to green Bay next year as a visiting player. The Packers come to Lincoln financial field. That's all I was going to say about that. So I guess we tip, should credit the 49ers a little bit in this so one. Tampa Even though I feel LA. like, no, um, <laughs> I feel like, you know, people are kind of glossing over that. Robbie Gold, the greatest playoff kicker of all time. I mean, possibly, and honestly, for special teams, right before that punt, I just had this weird feeling. The blocked punt at the uh, at the end. It's of the funny game. the weird feelings you get when there's no one around to confirm it. I know. I, I had this thing of like something's going to happen here. Now I know. No lie, John texted punt. me on Sunday to say that he had that weird feeling on Saturday. It was, it was too late. Okay, buddy. But sure. I, I was yeah, thinking I'm sure like, you did. I was you sure it like wasn't the taquitos or something from dinner? I was thinking like a good return. Maybe somebody brings it back to the, you know, the 40 or something like that. I oh, they got a good return part. out of it. But yeah, that was one of those things. It's like, oh, if only I had said that out loud in a room full of people, then I would have felt really good. <laughs> That's what your Twitter account is for, John. See, what you do is you tweet that out. And then if nothing happens, you, you erase just delete it. it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, mean, <laughs> right, I see what you're doing. <laughs> That's all. That's all. Uh, you started to mention Tampa Bay, L.A. Who thought as we're watching that game unfold that it would it would just be like the appetizer to what was to come? I don't even know how to describe it because football game doesn't do it justice. The 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 Bucks Rams game, you texted me and you said the game was over when Tom Brady actually got flagged for unsportsmanlike conduct and that that was going to fuel him to to, to win the game. Uh, you were almost right. <laughs> in the picks column, I, I I don't know if I wrote it this way, but the way I felt about it was just like I wanted to pick the Rams. Everything said that this is where the Bucks are going to be most vulnerable to this team this week with the injuries they had on the offensive line, with with Aaron Donald being on the other side, and and I had forgotten about Von Miller when we were writing that. But I thought, you know what? I, I just you picked against Tom Brady every week last year, and it won me the the contest. But if you're going to go down, it's not like I'm backing Ryan Tannehill, and it blows my whole thing up. Even though I backed Ryan Tannehill, and it cost me. If you're going to go down with with the greatest quarterback of all time, so be it. 
And so they go down, and, and no kidding, John, I dozed off at halftime of that game, and I woke up apparently right after the Rams had scored to make it 26 to three. But I woke up and the room's kind of dark and I, my eyes are a little fuzzy. I swore it said 28. And I'm like, why did they go for two? Was there like a penalty or something? Like, why did, why did they go for two? Take over? What, what just happened? Oh my God, it's 28 to three. Everybody was making jokes on Twitter. It's 28 to three. And then they kick an extra point. I'm like, oh, it was 26 to three. But Everyone wants to talk, oh, the 27, oh, he's, he's come back from worse. And then it was almost like the Rams were like, no, no, go ahead. We want to see it. And they just kept handing the ball off. Cam Akers fumbles the ball going in at the end of the second quarter. If he scores and they score coming out of the break, it's 34 to three and the game is over. But like, I, I don't know how they left him in to fumble again. Like the guy hasn't played much of any football in, in, in all this year. I think he may have made an appearance last week or the week before. He tore his ACL in the preseason, I believe. Or I mean, his Achilles. I'll be honest with you. I, I could do you one better. I actually turned that game off. No, no, I, that was dumb. I, I, I went in. <laughs> Even uh, from a schadenfreude standpoint, like well, watching I, Tom Brady get crushed in the playoffs a week after the Patriots got annihilated. Well, I, I, honestly, my, my thought process was it was like right around halftime, like right before halftime was I'll sneak in last night's SNL, buzz through the commercials. You know, that's, you know, if Tom Brady makes it close, I'll be around for the fourth quarter. And then SNL wraps up. It's 27 to three. I think I didn't didn't miss anything. And as soon as that happened, touchdown, touchdown, like the comeback begins. And I thought, oh my gosh, like this is perfect timing. Like I planned that well. (laughs) Uh, And then I almost like, I, honestly, I, I thought that game, like, there's no way you could top the end of that game, hold for later well. on. <laughs> but, you know, at the end of that game, you know, all credit to Bruce Arians for one of the, I don't want to say it was innovated, but like a gutsy out of the box call when they're they're driving down and it was, you know what, we're going to go for it. We're going to score the touchdown. We're not going to worry about, you know, Sneaking, sneaking the quarterback over for a first oh, on the down. Fourth and, and one, yeah. for, that t- to me that was gutsy. That's that's actually the type of thing you have to do to beat Tom Brady. That's winning football. And I thought, you know, like that they deserve to win because of of that. They didn't. I but, think you're giving a little too much credit. It, I it, mean, it, he, Leonard Fournette's a big back. They didn't have very far to go, and the Rams were going to put every guy in a blue uniform within ten miles of the stadium. On that line. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's not but he innovative. still almost got tackled. He still almost got tackled. But if he's able to get any sort of movement towards the edge at all, he's he's probably going to score. And that's why that's why they called that play. But, yeah, no, I mean, it, it, I, I don't think it's super gutsy, but I, I think it's one of those plays where a lot of coaches don't call it because they know they'll have to answer to it. Right. It, exactly. Or, the, or they'll have to answer f- it's for like, it, rather. It's the if, if it, it doesn't work. Then this right. is, you know, Pete Carroll in the Super Bowl. But then you, you think like, oh, wait, right. but like, w- what if it did work? Like, maybe there maybe there was a reason for this. I, I, that's why I said it wasn't innovative, but I have to give them props for just going for it in that situation. But then you got to turn around and you look, there was like, what, 40 some seconds left, which apparently now is a literal eternity in, in football. 
Well, enough time um, to leave the best wide receiver maybe on the planet right now well, who'd in have single thought, coverage. Who'd have thought that not communicating properly to your defense in a tie game with seconds left with a spot to host the NFC title game in the line would not be the worst coaching decision made on Sunday. We'll get to that. Don't worry. But for them to make that play, and we talked about respecting the 49ers a little bit for their win. And I talked about how people should have respected the Titans more. Can we stop talking about Matthew Stafford not being able to win a big game now? Like we talked about Aaron Rodgers not having a ton of great guys around him. Matthew Stafford had one of the greatest receivers ever. It's, in Calvin it's, it's Johnson. a ridiculous thing. Like but he played for the it. Lions. Yeah. yeah. Like the Lions made the playoffs multiple times in large part because of Matthew Stafford. And yeah, he had injury issues throughout his career, but he hits that big, long pass to cup. They called it a, what they call it, a love of the game route because you never get it thrown to you. You're just trying to clear out some defense from the area. So you're just trying to help your teammate out. He throws the pass because he beats the cornerback. And then they show him running up to the line. Stafford was, you could see him. They didn't, they didn't show a wider shot. They resumed in on him running up there. And he's like directing guys like, let's go, let's go. What were those other guys doing? I was like, really. I want to know what that. those guys like, are doing. I want to see the wider shot. What were they doing? Were they celebrating? Were they trying to substitute? What were they doing that he has to be like, hey, there's like seven seconds left. Let's go. Like, I don't know if they were waiting for a timeout to be called. Like, it was, <sighs> it was very bizarre. Like, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever it, seen that. I thought at first maybe he was celebrating. It was kind of a weird way to celebrate. And then I saw the clip again. I'm like, no, he's telling people to, to, to run. Like, let's go. I, I, like, I, 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 just, I don't know what you're thinking about if you're if you're one of those other guys that you aren't like offensive linemen are getting up there. It was like well, like a 50 yard play. I, I just it was, it was bizarre. It was chaos. You could almost say it was the most chaotic thing that happened in the week. Well, we thought it was. We had three games that ended on walk off field goals all by the road team. Like it doesn't get any better than that. Well, maybe a and then you flip touchdown. over, yeah, and then you flip over to CBS and Bills Chiefs has started, and so rarely does any sporting event, let alone a football game, end up being everything that everyone thought it could be, and then some. Well, how many baseball games do you get where you get like the two aces on the staff, and then they're both gone by the sixth inning? Like nowadays, like the, every other week, yeah. Well, actually, that, that, that's true. <laughs> but you know, I. Uh, when we were talking about, you know, are we going to yeah, do the no, podcast? Yeah, no, it's like a great on... pitcher's duel, but on all of the steroids that anybody has ever done in the history of baseball. And that's a lot of steroids. Allegedly. Well, I, allegedly. Right, so a lot I thought of my baseball See, analogy You're all concerned about the legal okay. aspect of it. Allegedly. Back to the game. A lot Back of steroids. So when we did our, our podcast schedule, we were sitting down and we thought like, wait, we have to do this on Monday night because there's no way we can do this without talking about Bill's Chiefs. We thought it was going to be well, a good game. We both wanted to watch the game, yeah. <laughs> right, but we thought it was going to be a good game. And I'll be honest with you, I had the TV on mute. I'm watching the replay of that game as we speak. <laughs> Currently in the uh, second quarter, and it's 7-7, to a low-scoring game. This must be. John, I'll give you Bill's plus four if you want to throw a little... Uh, I'm good. Something like... No, no. <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously the big thing that people are talking about today is the overtime rules. We can talk about that, but I, I just I just want to say that two minute warning. How did Gabriel Davis get that wide open? The guy has scored two touchdowns already. How does he get that wide open on fourth and thirteen? 
they need 13 yards or the season is over, probably. Where do you think the ball's going to go? Probably downfield, right? <laughs> How is he that open? And then he stumbles, and I thought, oh my God, that would be the most Bills thing in the world for him to catch that wide open, stumble, fall, drop it, and lose. Hang on, hang he, on. Uh, hangs on to it. Byron Pringle just scored a touchdown in the second quarter under the two-minute warning of the the second quarter. This surely game's probably over. Surely it won't get any more exciting than that, John. No. I honestly thought that it was over when the Chiefs got a field goal to start the second half and the Bills had an empty possession and didn't score. I was like, you can't do that in this game. Now, was I right? Did the Chiefs go on to win? Yeah. But was I was I right to the game? No. So the Chiefs go back and, and they get the touchdown. I think it was Tyreek Hill with a minute two to go. All right. So I, I had said to you and 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 to some other people, when the Bills had the ball and there was like four minutes left, five minutes left, I was like, they need to kill clock here and score. You did. And they gave Patrick Mahomes a minute fifty five and he only needed like fifty seconds there. And then Josh Allen comes back. And he only needs 50 seconds and there's 13 seconds left. And they're talking about, you know, the bills, you know, w- with a huge win, they're going to go host. And I'm like, I don't know, guys. I mean, Tyree kills still on the field. You throw him a screen pass. He might win it here. They have all three timeouts, which anyone in Philadelphia was probably like, is there something on the television? Like <laughs> did the timeouts thing break? There's no way. And he has all three timeouts with only 13 seconds to go. And yet, their drive, everyone keeps saying it was 13. No, it was a 10-second drive, John. They drove half the field in 10 seconds. Here's how crazy this game was. And I can't remember if I mentioned this to you or if this was a la the, the punt in Green Bay where I thought this to myself. Kansas City gets the ball back. And my thought wasn't, huh, I wonder what's going to happen here. It was this game's going to overtime because it was that up and down, that crazy. But it and didn't it, it, have to. Because of the stupidest coaching decision I've seen in a long, long time. Are you sure? Because we just talked about Tampa's defense. I'm sorry. I'm going to make them field that kickoff. I'm going to drop it on the 5-10 yard line in the middle of the field so I don't risk kicking it out of the sideline. And I am going to make them field that kickoff. And give Tony Romo punter or somebody else do it that's not going to accidentally boot it out of the end zone if they try. Like, just make them play the ball. Make them start the clock. Try to get them behind the 25-yard line. Every yard matters. You know, Butker is, the, they call him the second-best kicker in football after Justin Tucker. And what did he do? Shanked an extra point. Yeah, it's a long kick. No guarantees. If he has to kick that from 55 instead of 48, 47 or whatever, who knows? But no, you gave the Chiefs 25 free yards, 10, 15 yards, at least more than they should have had. I don't know who made that call, but that guy should be filling a box today. Because that is a decision. This is not hindsight. That's a decision that in the moment didn't make sense. And look what happened. And honestly, we have to give just Tony Romo props to where it's due. He called a lot of stuff as it was going on, as he will do. To watch him draw the route that Travis Kelsey was going to run on that pass that set up the field goal attempt. Just like they're at the line. They're seconds away from, not even seconds away from snapping it, and he just draws that line, and Travis Kelsey runs that route. It's like, he, he's amazing. He's incredible. And, and he should be. Like, three or four years ago, he was playing, or a little longer than that. But, like, I hate to say that, like, quarterbacks should be the guys that are... There's a reason that catchers end up as managers and as good game analysts, because the way their position operates, 
is more in line with the kind of stuff that those people are sharing with audiences. Every former quarterback should be in the booth who's any good. You hear it with the Manning brothers on on their, on their cast too. He also gave like throughout, not that this is like insight that nobody else could have thought of, but you know, throughout the broadcast, he's, he was constantly talking about how Tyree kill, like, I don't know if I do this because, you know, he's going to basically there, at some point he's going to change the game and look and look at what happened. Yeah. Eventually, if you give an elite player that kind of room, he's going to make something happen. And I, I was thinking last night, I don't want to say how wrong we were about Tony Romo, but as Eagles fans, we all took pleasure in his December through January prowess and or lack thereof. And I, I was sitting there thinking, we all thought like we we loved like sort of rubbing the Cowboys' faces on their playoffs r- lack of record, but the average quarterback, to your point, has to be able to pro- like he has the stuff processed like what the defense is running, what the like what again the exact route that a tight end is going to run before he runs it, and he does this stuff routinely. It does make me kind of marvel at what these guys can process. And we take it for granted because you know, get all the Twitter armchair generals on Sunday night or Monday morning going like, I can't believe Jalen Hurts missed this guy wide open. It's like, OK, you've got three seconds to make a read. You do it. But all these guys can kind of do some level of that. And it's it's astounding to watch Romo break it down live. And I loved his enthusiasm for the game as it was going on. And Honestly, my favorite moment of the broadcast might have been after the touchdown when they were reviewing it and Tony Romo's going, hang on. I don't think we're done yet. And then he's replaying. He goes, yeah, it's over. We're good. (laughs) Yeah, But there was that second left where you're like, ah, where you're hoping it doesn't count. I I, I was rooting for the Bills and like "Ah, they were going to score anyways. But wait a minute, this game might not be over. And I was thinking like sitting up on the edge of my seat and then like, oh, okay, that was kind of a letdown. I, I think the one thing that that game with Mahomes and Allen, the earlier game with Stafford and Brady and the the Bengals upset with Joe Burrow, it just showed the difference between a franchise quarterback and a starting quarterback. You got to go get one of those guys, not those guys specifically necessarily. You need a guy like that. And I think that puts to rest the debate about whether or not the guy you mentioned who wears number one for the Eagles is a franchise quarterback. In no way, shape, or form is he. I don't. I don't think he ever could be on on a level that those guys are on. Do you know how many months of content we have to fill between now and the Eagles season opener? <laughs> well, hey, this I'm laying down the controversial take right now. I'm laying down the controversial take that may not be all that controversial, but and that it answers the question where, oh well, you know, should they try to trade for a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers or even a Deshaun? Watt? Yes. Yes, if you have the opportunity to get a guy like that, yes. Yes, yes, yes. And there's and you don't even think about it. That yes, you do it. Like that's it. I mentioned the overtime I mean, thing, John. I disagree, but we'll talk about that in another podcast. <laughs> I mentioned the overtime thing, John. What is your take on the overtime rules cuz we're getting a little long in the tooth here with the segment? I'll I'll admit, I I was kind of sad that Josh Allen wasn't going to get the chance to counter because that was the kind of game we were watching. And I couldn't help but think of the uh, Matt Hasselbeck infamous comments about how, <laughs> you know, we're going to get the ball and we're going to score. And 
kind of thinking like you know they had to kind of revisit the the rules for for playoff overtimes and overtimes in general after that and it just feels like a missed opportunity it's like give america what it wants give it more football give it another possession i get it for the regular season but for the playoffs i want more i i want it more i did not want that game to end see i have to disagree on two counts there one i i don't like when sports play their overtimes differently than they play their normal. Like when it comes to gameplay, that's why I hate the shootout in hockey. I really don't like when they change the rules for the postseason, right? So the NHL is like, Oh, we're going to play three on three for five minutes and then do a shootout during the regular season. Then you get to the playoffs. It's like not fourth period, 20 minutes, five on five. I, I don't like that. They do it differently. The second way in which I'll disagree with you. I'm fine with the bills, not touching the ball. Football's not just about offense, right? They had a unit on the field that had a chance to stop the other team from scoring or at least limit the damage. But the Chiefs went out there and imposed their will upon the Bills. They deserve to win the game. That logic that you just dropped on me is the same exact killjoy logic of why you didn't send me a text on Friday night (laughs) to go over (laughs) two-minute walk. Yeah, John, it's because I thought, well, you know, you could have very easily texted me to see what I was up to. So I did not have to offer you the chance to possess the, you know, the let's, invitation. Let's go to break. Yeah, let's, let's go to take break. a break and, and we'll just decide that I'm right and that overtime is fine. We'll be right back with wait, a little wait, more wait, here wait, on the Philly for next podcast. Stick around. back here in the Philly Frenetics podcast. Uh, we are the Philly Frenetics. So the frenetic part was the football. Again, three games end with walk-off field goals. And it's the other one that is the best one. But the Philly portion of it, the Sixers kind of righted the ship a little bit, listed a little bit against the Clippers, of course. But Joel Embiid has put the Sixers on his back and is just carrying them to... I, they were within a game or two of the top seed in the East when we recorded. It begs the question, we're a few weeks away from the trade deadline. If they don't make a deal to trade Ben Simmons away, is that okay? Do you think Daryl Morey is negotiating from a position of enough power where he doesn't have to settle at all for anything less than exactly what he wants? It's tough because there is the fear for Sixers fans that he's shopping around a little too much, but... A lot of these rumored deals, like the one with Detroit, like the best part about that deal was going to be their first round pick. And we don't even know if that was protected or or what. I have to imagine if it was an unprotected chance for a, a top five pick that, you know, he, he might make that deal. But honestly, there, there's two things on the table here. You know, I talked about it a few weeks ago. Uh, apparently, Daryl Morey and I are on the same page, or at least we're watching the same thing. I'm sure he was on this this page or this chapter long before I was, I'm seeing Tobias Harris's name on NBA Twitter a lot. Now, granted, that doesn't mean anything because it's NBA (laughs) Twitter, but you know, it might be that trading him. And I've seen guys like uh, John Collins is the name I've seen a lot. Something that like piques my interest. I still don't think that's quite in the guy we want for Ben Simmons level, 
Right. The one that kind of concerns me is I'm seeing a lot of chatter about James Harden coming here at the in, end in of the, the off year. Season, yeah. And I don't like that because we talked about it a little bit last year, you know, with the Ben Simmons for, for James Harden thing. And, you know, in hindsight, maybe we actually do do that trade. But, <laughs> you know, when I watch James Harden now, he's not the same guy. He's not even like Chris Paul, where I think he's the kind of guy that can age real well because a lot of large part of Chris Paul's game is in the, you know, distributing the ball. He doesn't look like the same guy. He's still a very good player, but I, I don't know if he's the elite guy. And I, I don't know if you need two banged up guys, you know, with him and Joel Embiid who could get hurt at any time. But to answer your question is, let's see after the trade deadline. I don't want to judge it on they have to make a move. But they have to make John. I just really asked you. <laughs> I just asked you if they're in a position of power to not make the deal. Well, let's see after the trade deadline. No, you got to make it. You got to make a call right now before the trade deadline. If you're Daryl Morey, are you holding Pat or are you going to take seventy cents on the dollar if you can get it? I mean, it depends on what's available. I mean, Jeez, I think that, John, come on, a, pick a I'm side. Sorry, I'm not going to answer the question. I'm asking like, conceptually. All right, not. I'm uh, not asking for a specific player. If you're Daryl Morey and it's February eighth. Right. And you've got 48 hours to decide what to do. And the best offers you're going to get are, like I said, 70, 75 cents on the dollar. Are you going to hold Ben Simmons until the offseason where his value is going to be decreased a little bit more because he's a year older and a year out of, of playing competitive basketball? Or are you just saying, you know what? This is the best we're going to get. Let's go. I'm not even asking for a specific player. You know, I I gotta make the deal. You're gonna make the trade. I mean, it'd be, it'd be a real baller move to say I don't know what I'm gonna do and then move on. <laughs> yeah, but it, the the thing is, if you don't make the trade, I think you're kind of sending a message, and maybe you do get something better in return. But the obvious concern, of course, is that you're wasting a year of Joel Embiid. Does this Sixers team, as currently constructed, have a chance to win the title? No. The question is, are the guys available in exchange for Ben Simmons right now going to put you into the title conversation? Well, if you get some sort of future asset or young player, maybe you're setting yourself up for the next couple of years. But you can also do that in the offseason. So for me, obviously, it'll depend on which three quarters make up that 75 cents. But I fear that the deal isn't there. And so for the sake of argument, I'll say, you know what? Hold them. Because I don't know that anyone's ever done that before. I think they always just get rid of the distressed asset and they wash their hands of it. Hold on to them. A large part of the what makes this complicated is, is the mix of guys that are available. Like John Collins is a great piece, but if he works, you have to ship out Tobias Harris. You know, same same kind of situation with which I think probably, they would do, yeah. Which, yeah, but it's just a matter of does the other team want that deal? Well, then because you do a three teamer where you get a, a a good draft pick in the Ben Simmons trade that you then have to stick onto Tobias Harris, right. To get rid it's, of the contract, it's, it's that kind of complex thing. You know, the best guy might who might be available is uh, Sabanis from Indiana, and they have. But a now setup. their situation is a little in flux because Miles Turner is going to be out past the trade deadline right and, and he was a big candidate to get moved 
Right. And there's this situation of like, you know, technically somebody could play power forward and someone could play center. But if you bring in him, then Tobias Harris definitely can't be on the team. You know, I mean, I guess it could technically be small forward, but like, you know, there's also the component of like Danny Green, like you could ship him out with his salary because he's a valuable, intangible guy, but not necessarily, you know, box score impact guy. And you need the box score impact guy because right now the only two impact players are Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. And Tyrese Maxey isn't there yet. He's super young. I think he just turned 21. He might be there next year or the following year, but like... You know, you need more than a 21-year-old point guard. You need a little little bit of seasoning yeah. to, you know, to survive the playoffs. They nailed that draft pick in a way that I don't think anybody thought they would when they, when they picked Maxi. I think everyone thought, oh, you know, he's a good player, especially to get at the spot in the draft. He's been beyond what I think anyone expected. And I guess it just goes to show that the opportunity, if Ben Simmons was playing, Maxi wouldn't have had these opportunities this year, you know? He'd still be playing, playing plenty, but he wouldn't be running the offense. He wouldn't be getting that seasoning that you're talking about. Speaking of seasoning, I'm going to ask you a spicy question, John. Is Joel Embiid already the third best sixer ever? Because I was thinking about that the other day. Ooh, let's uh, let's put a pin in that. Let's let's talk about that later. That that's that's a long conversation, but I um, let's definitely put a pin in that. I can tell by your face you're intrigued. It's been something I've actually been thinking about on my own. We haven't discussed this before. So, you know, in the interest of keeping this podcast under two hours. We're referring to Alan Iverson and Julius Irving as one and two, right? No. Have we forgotten Wilt Chamberlain exists in this team's (laughs) records? Like, at all? I don't think his greatness was as a sixer so much as with the Warriors, right? His numbers retired. With the Sixers. So we're putting a pin in this, right? We're putting a pin in this, right? (laughs) Let's put a pin in this. All right. Well, one last topic we've been avoiding talking about for many reasons. The team's futility is one of them, but this is Philadelphia and futility is just part of it. We got to talk about the Flyers, John. (laughs) They lost 10 games in a row and after the eighth one, they fired their coach. Now they've run up an 11-game losing streak, which by the time anyone hears this, may be over. The question, and this is, this is something that we've never really asked about them before, because we've talked about in the past how more than any other team in town, the Flyers would spend the money, make the splashy deal, get the big-name player, try to get the big-name coach, and would always contend, right? The Flyers could be relied upon to if not win their first round series, play a game six in that first round series, often make it to the conference finals where like, we're talking about the Sixers and we're just dying to get to the conference finals. The Flyers used to do that somewhat regularly. And we talked about taking it for granted. I don't want to use this word because it always triggers you, but do the Flyers need to start a rebuilding process? And, and with the caveat that, that yeah, the caveat that in the NHL it's a lot different than in the NBA, and teams seated in the lower half of the playoff bracket win the Stanley Cup all the time. Whereas in the NBA, if you're not elite, you might as well be terrible. And that was the approach that Sam Hinkie took in tearing down the Sixers. It's the, the approach that the Astros took on the way to a World Series. I, I just 
I wonder if the fan base has the stomach for it. And I wonder if ownership and like the people who run the team have the stomach for it because it, it might be what they need. It doesn't seem like there's a quick fix for this team. They finally seem to have found a young goaltender that might be able to break the, the cycle of, of good flyers teams with shaky goaltending. And now the rest of the team is, is just hot garbage. And the irony of, of this is like, who's going to be the guy that gets you the most in return to help with the rebuild? It's the young goaltender. Yeah. <laughs> Do you trade that away? I think that's the, that's the biggest, uh, probably the only real item if we were going to label I, I don't, like process I, 2.0. That, that I don't would be think it. though. I don't think that's something you do because of the nature of the NHL. John, the, the team is mired again in their second double-digit losing streak of, of the same season. Yet the other day I saw an article where part of it said they, they're in danger of being eliminated from the playoff race early. Like they're, they're so-and-so points out of the playoffs. It's like, come on. Like even if this team were to make the play, like really come on people. This is not a playoff team. They're not going to the playoffs. And if they do, it's a joke. But the fact that a team can be that bad and then bounce back a little bit and get into a playoff race means that you don't have to completely tear it down. Although I don't even know what that looks like in hockey because I don't think we've ever seen anybody do it. People aren't bad on purpose in the NHL. They're bad because of organizational ineptitude. Not that they aren't in other sports, like take the Kings, for example, and in basketball, <laughs> but I, I, which by the way, I heard somebody say that the reason that the Sixers Kings trade rumor stuff seems to, to always come out might just be Daryl Morey trying to show Rich Paul, I'll do it. I'll friggin' trade him to Sacramento. Don't tempt me, <laughs> which would be awesome. But I, I, just, I just don't even know what that would look like in hockey. And I don't know, even know that it would be necessary because unless you have that farm system already built up, and I will admit that I don't really know much, I, I don't know anything about the Flyers farm system other than that they used to have a team here in Philly that I had season tickets for, and now they play up in Allentown like jerks. But <laughs> there's the hard-hitting analysis you thought you were going to get tonight. <laughs> I want my minor league team back. I, I just don't know how you rebuild an organization process style in the NHL. And I honestly don't think it's necessary. I think you can be decent and then wait until you hit on a draft pick and then consign a, a, a top notch free agent to go from second and third in your division to the top while still competing for the Stanley cup in that second and third spot, because more so than in any other sport, I would think Philadelphia is a place where hockey players, top notch hockey players would be willing to sign. You know, the organization has always been uh, considered a, a, a top-notch organization, but a competent one that, that you know, wants to win. Not always the case with our other teams, right? Well, the Eagles are a strong organization, but they're in a salary-capped league. I feel like the Flyers can be considered a destination team, a marquee fra- more of a marquee franchise in their league than any of our other ones are. Is that fair to say? I, I don't know. I think I the think Eagles would be the closest. Used to be true, but well, yeah, and you know, look at the that's, results. That's that's not. I don't know if that's true anymore. And here's where we are. Here, here's how far the Flyers have gone. They're giving their giveaways at the end of the game as people are leaving, so that way they don't throw them on the ice. Well, did I see they were giving out beer steins? Yeah, like shower beer stein, which is like that's the thing that you need sadness. during the game. Just bring it, fill it, chug it, bring it back. 
It's 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 to use while you're watching the team at home. They lost six three the other day. That's not a hockey score. It's a hockey score in 2022. Six to three. Come well, on. Here's what here's what they need. They need I think more than whether it's through free agency or development. You know, granted, it's probably both. They need some signal from ownership that things are going to be different because there is the and this might be the worst thing you could possibly have. There is the sense that ownership is indifferent to the team's struggles on the ice and all they're going to do is keep pumping gritty at us. <laughs> and if you look around at the attendance at games, it is much worse than it there used is to a be. level of apathy setting in, which I would have never it, I would never have associated that word Flyers with Flyers. fans were the closest things to Red Sox fans, Cardinals fans, the most diehard, like as diehard as Eagles fans are in this town. And like that is unquestionable. Flyers fans were a whole other level. And, you know, with some overlap, but, you know, that's a very hardcore fan base with much respect towards the team's history and, you know, ties to the past because a lot of, you know, their roots are how a lot of people learned to love hockey, actually learned to even watch hockey in this town. And then to see an organization that is allegedly disrespecting the alums that were so often brought back under Ed Snyder, like to even to a fault where we kept thinking they live in the past too much. Well, now they're completely giving the past a cold shoulder and that's not something Philly handles well when you have a corporation disrespecting franchise elites because this is this is a town where you can be as hard on people as you possibly can. But the Fred Shiro thing where, you know, when today we walk together forever, you know, those guys haven't bought a beer in this town since what, like 1975. And now all of a sudden the Wells Fargo Center is probably giving them a bill for their beer and they're going like, hey, what's this about? You know, it's just like they just need some signal from the franchise that things are going to be different. They need a name. Ron Hextall, ironically, probably was this name. <laughs> uh, until he didn't draft so well. Now, I mean, now we have Bobby Clark talking trash about Ron Hextall's picks. You know, that's 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 not something that used to happen. And well, maybe they can settle it at Alumni Day. I mean, that's one way to sell out the Wells Fargo Center right there, right? <laughs> and honestly, I Clark not versus betting... Hextall in a shootout, and instead they drop the gloves. I mean, who are you betting against? Clark versus Hextall in a shootout, and then Hextall gets to shoot on Clark. Hextall's had more goals Ooh. scored than Bobby Clark had saves. That's all I'm going to say. Let's just say we, we'd watch it. And here's the sad thing. It's probably the only reason we'd watch the Flyers It would be right the highest now. rated Flyer thing <laughs> of 2022. John, there's one easy solution. We got to go to a Flyers game. Tickets are readily available. <laughs> we we got to go. We got to change the team's luck. Let's see. John has I'm a look on his face up. that says I'm more interested in this replay of a football game I already watched than going to see the Flyers right now and I think that's a sign that we should log off and let him finish watching again a game he's already seen you can find us on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Aww. Amazon Music Spotify Stitcher and more out of the bill side the lowest John. ticket's $45 I thought we were getting Sixers processor like $2 <laughs> tickets that I couldn't wait to get, but $45, <laughs> that is, you'd have to pay me $45. You wouldn't have to pay me that much. Shortly before game time, they'll come down. You can also find us on our website, phillyfrenetics.com, and of course, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Philly Frenetics. 
Who knows what the next week brings? Probably not a Flyers game for me and John. But Sunday, football conference championship games. We'll have our picks up. I'm two games back with three to play, so I'm going to have to make up some sort of rule for the Super Bowl to, to add to the picks to give me a chance to come from behind. Maybe John will be a good sport and send me his picks early so I can see them and then make my picks afterward. Are you feeling like a good sport, John? Are you going to try to kneel this one out? What's that? Didn't hear what you said there. The connection's fading. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Pretending you don't hear me. Uh, what a good sport. I'll talk to you next week, John. See you next week.